Blog Talk Radio. you're gonna do hulkamaniacs welcome back to another slam action-packed episode of 80s wrestling radio i'm one of your hosts jumping jay morozik sitting next to my main man tommy tommy we got a hot show tonight it's been a great week on this end of the microphone how are you doing over there in new jersey hey jay let me let me just say something before we before we start this show tonight which is obviously going to be a very very popular topic and anyone that wants to call in and talk about Hulkamania in the 80s running wild in the WWF, give us a call, 323-927-2953. Again, that's 323-927-2953. I got to say, Jay, when that show opened up and that song hit, man, I still, I'm a 42-year-old man. I still get goosebumps. When that song comes on, man, I'm like, I was over here just jamming to, like, air guitaring it, like, bopping my head up and down at 11 o'clock at night in New Jersey. I mean, that song, man, damn, it still gets me. It still gets me, that song. I know what you mean, Tommy. As soon as those opening chords hit, I grabbed the collar of my T-shirt, and I tore it off instinctively. I'm going to have to do the rest of the show uh, shirtless over here <laughs> in Minnesota. Listen, I'm with you, man. If Brother, you're a true blue wrestling do, fan, do, that song is ingrained. We do have some female callers, man. Take it easy, Jay. We do have some female callers, brother. Well, listen, I got a face for radio, that's for sure. So uh, no worries there. But uh, no, that song, it gets you every time. You hear that song, it gets the blood pumping. It gets the energy moving. I'm telling you, it makes you ready to either watch wrestling or jump in the ring yourself. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's got to be It's going to be a fun uh, show tonight. And, you know, I don't know about you, but usually me, uh, you know, Usually around an hour before the show, I, I prep a little bit. I write down some notes and, and try and prepare for whatever episode we're talking about uh, that week. Tonight, dude, I really didn't have to do that because, I mean, I, I know you did too, man. I grew up such a big Hulkamaniac, and I know every angle he did, every storyline he did, every big match he was in by heart. I mean, I really didn't have to write anything down. Uh, I mean, Hulk Hogan was such a gigantic part of not only my childhood, I'm sure everyone listening right now is childhood and yours as well. So we definitely want to hear from you guys tonight. Give us a call. Tell us your favorite Hulkamania moments from the 80s. It doesn't have to be 80s. It can be 90s as well. Um, 323 I'm going to kick off my favorite Hulkamania moment. Uh, I mentioned it here in the past on the show as well, uh, probably a few times. But it's just an angle that always sticks out to me, and I, I can never forget it. And it's not it's not Hogan and Andre, and it's not Hogan and Savage, which are two of my favorite uh, storyline slash angles of all time. Uh, it is the Hulk Hogan, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff angle, where Paul Orndorff turned on Hulk Hogan. Uh, it was on a Saturday night, wrestling, uh, Superstars of Wrestling, 
and it was Hogan and Orndorff teaming up against Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. They built it up for weeks, man. It was first it was Hogan and Orndorff against the Moondogs, and then they were going to have the match against Bud and uh, Bundy and Studd, and uh, Hogan uh, couldn't get a hold of Orndorff on the corner. It was vice versa. It was one of them. And then they finally had the match, and Orndorff turned on Hogan and went with the Heenan family. And, and I, I tell you what, man, uh, I still to this day, and I mentioned this on the show, uh, probably one of our uh, first episodes, I remember where I was sitting at. I remember where I was at when that happened as a young child. It was at my aunt's house. And I, dude, my mouth was wide open. I couldn't believe what I had just seen. And, you know, that led to obviously Hogan and Orndorff going at it. And then who can forget the, the, the infamous Hulk Hogan, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff steel cage match on Saturday night's main event with a, uh, it was pretty much a, a photo finish there. And uh, that match is probably the most famous match. But you know what match else I liked that those guys had, uh, Jay, was the big event one in Canada where Hogan wrestled Orndorff there as well. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm sure the majority of people calling in are going to say Hogan against Andre, Hogan against Savage, uh, or maybe Hogan Warrior, Hogan Piper. For me, it was Hogan and Orndorff. I just can't get that angle out of my head, man. Well, I tell you what, Tom, it was a beautifully done angle um, because Orndorff had been teaming with Hogan for some time. Uh, and Hogan was so over that anybody who teamed with him was an instant fan favorite. And so the fans really were behind Mr. Wonderful. And then they did some foreshadowing where they kind of hinted uh, that Paul Order might have been bit by the jealousy bug. Uh, and then just the way they played it out in that match. And when you saw Mr. Wonderful betray his friend Hulk Hogan and join the Heenan family and then the beatdown that ensued. Uh, yeah, it was one that definitely captured the imagination of a young wrestling fan, and it really drew you all in. I agree. That was a beautiful angle uh, in the history of Hulk Hogan. Really kicked off uh, his tremendous run there in the 80s. Absolutely. Hey, Jay, what was your favorite, uh, your all-time favorite Hulk Hogan moment in the WWF? Oh, my goodness. My all-time favorite moment. that's tough, man. That's like, I don't know how you pick your all-time favorite moment of Hulk Hogan. Man. He had such a run in the 80s and into the early 90s. I tell you what, as a kid, he basically was that childhood hero. And so I was a hardcore uh, Hulkamaniac. And so I know some of the high points, obviously, the Andre the Giant match. Um, WrestleMania uh, 5, when he took on the Macho Man, when the Mega Powers uh, exploded. And then uh, complete heartbreak uh, when he wrestled. Uh, the ultimate warrior uh, in the Sky Dome. Um, but so many moments to choose from. I think anytime Hulk Hogan was on the screen, I was a happy camper. Absolutely. Me too, man. I, I was such a huge, huge, huge Hulk Hogan uh, fan as a child. I mean, who can forget all the merchandise from back in the day, too? I mean, we talked about this in the past, too, how, you know, they had so much merchandise for the guys back in the 80s, whether it be a coloring book or a, a stuffed animal or remember the Hulk Hogan, uh, pity bear. <laughs> I actually have it or the, you know, the, uh, the wrestling buddy or the LGNs or the, you know, Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling eraser or, you know, the Hulk Hogan jacket 
or the headband or the shirts or the workout set. And I'm ad-libbing here. I don't have any of this written down. I just know it by heart because there was so much stuff, the posters, um, all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, you, there wouldn't be, wrestling wouldn't be where it's at today uh, if it wasn't for the popularity of Hulkamania in the 80s. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care anyone that wants to put down Hulk Hogan. I don't care anyone that wants anything bad about his work rate. He is unshadowably the biggest wrestling star of all time. And I'm putting him up against Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm putting him up against The Rock, Ric Flair, uh, John Cena, Bruno Sammartino, everyone. In my opinion, and it's only my opinion, there's not a bigger star in the history of wrestling than Hulk Hogan. No, I agree with you, Tommy. I mean, he absolutely, he was the right guy at the right time for the world of professional wrestling. I don't know if any of the today's modern stars, uh, even Stone Cold, even The Rock, I don't think if you put them in Hogan's spot in the early 80s, if they could have ran with the ball as long and as far as Hulk Hogan did. I mean, uh, the guy had such charisma. Um, he was so fun to watch. Yeah, he w- he's not the greatest athlete in the world. He didn't have the largest move set uh, on the planet, but he didn't need it. He knew how to tell a story. He knew how to capture the fans' hearts, their emotions, their imaginations. He took you for a ride. He had arenas cheering for him against some of the biggest, baddest dudes in the history of professional wrestling. And I think the bottom line is he is the baby for wrestling, and he is the greatest uh, wrestler of all time as far as being a superstar larger than life. And I got to say, Tommy, we've already done more talking than I thought we'd have to do tonight. I'm going to give that number out one more time. If you are a Hulkamaniac from way back in the day, or maybe you weren't a Hulkamaniac and you want to talk to us from the other point of view, either way, give us a call. We want to talk to you. Area code 323-927-2953. We're taking your calls live on 80s Wrestling Radio as we are running wild talking about Hulkamania and the epic run that Hulk Hogan had in the 1980s. Tommy, I'm going to ask you a question. There's so many possible answers, but I want to get your take. What do you think it was that made Hulk Hogan such the huge draw that he was? Well, God, I mean, there's, there's so many answers you give there. You, you know, you can't give it all to Hulk Hogan. Uh, you have to give a lot of that credit also to Vince McMahon um, and that whole 1984-85 boom period with MTV and WWE doing the rock and wrestling connection where it was the water settle the score on MTV uh, and Cindy Lauper being involved and in, in made WWF at the time cool and hip and happening and you know, Hulk Hogan was the guy there. You know, he was the poster boy for them at the time. I mean, that doesn't take away from the charisma he had and the look that he had. And, you know, I don't want to say he was in the right place at the right time because it's so much more than that, but he was. Because when they went national with that first WrestleMania and the whole MTV Rock and Wrestling Connection, he was the uh, forefronter of that. So, I mean, that definitely helped put more eyes on him. But, I mean, he led the way himself with his charisma and his his look and his just, you know, overall appeal. I mean, um, 
his interviews. I mean, the way he talked, the way he looked, um, the way he sold. I mean, when he was down and beat up, when he hawked up, I mean, God, who can ever forget that? Like, he's down and out, and whether it be bleeding or he looks like he's defeated and beaten, and, you know, they kick him and punch him, and he starts shaking his arms and shaking his head, and he gets up, and he does the you and then he throws you the ropes, gives you the big uh, boot to the face, gives you the leg drop. I mean, it was it's just it was just magic. It was just magic. He was magic. Uh, the whole package at the time was magic. Um, I mean, that's the best way to describe it, in in my opinion. It was just all magic. All right, let's let's take it back, Tommy. You said that uh, right guy, right time, all that, but that yeah, the WWF was exploding all over the place in the early 80s with MTV. They were getting a lot of public exposure. And I've heard rumors that uh, if Hulk Hogan wasn't the guy that Vince McMahon chose to go to, that maybe he was thinking about putting uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka in that spot. Is there anybody on the roster at that time, other than Hulk Hogan, that you think could have done as good of a job as bringing the World Wrestling Federation into that many households uh, to make those wrestlers household names. Is there anybody other than Hulk Hogan that could have done as good of a job as he did? Absolutely not. You also have to give uh, uh, him as the, him as the, the 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 good guy leading the way. Uh, one thing I want to say also uh, that I didn't say is uh, a big part of the early Hulk Hogan success. Remember, you're only as good as the person you work against. And Hogan was the big baby face, the big good guy. But you have to give a ton, a ton of credit to Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, for being such an unbelievable opponent and heel uh, and villain and rival to Hulk Hogan at that time. I mean, Piper played a gigantic part in captivating and you know, uh, making Hulk Hogan larger than life and making Hulk Hogan so loved because Piper was so hated. And people wanted to pay their money to see Hulk Hogan defeat and beat up Roddy Piper. I mean, Piper has to get a bunch of credit for that whole boom period as well. And I'm sorry that I didn't mention that previously. But uh, as far as the face of the company as a good guy, I heard those rumors too that they were thinking of Snuka. Uh, I don't think the wrestling business, and this is no disrespect to Jimmy Snuka because I've had Jimmy Snuka on a bunch of my shows. I had Jimmy Snuka at my graduation party, and uh, he was always a Jersey guy and was always great to me, and may he rest in peace, but there's no way that the wrestling business would be anywhere it is now if, if he was the guy instead of Hulk Hogan. It was just, you know, the Hulk Hogan, like I said, was just magic. He was Everything he did, man, was just unbelievable. He, he just captivated an entire nation of people. Um, I don't think there's anyone out there that uh, could hold a candle to him at that time as far as putting more eyes on the product uh, at that 84, 85, even if we go 86 uh, time period. Um, how about you? Because I, I think of Macho Man Randy Savage, but in 85, Randy Savage wasn't even uh, – uh, a top guy there yet. He was just getting there. Well, Tommy, I'm going to give you my take on who I think, uh, if anyone could have helped fill that role, if Hogan had not been there. But first, 
We got a caller waiting on line number one, so we're going to jump to the phone lines right now. Hello, caller. Welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air with Tommy and Jay. What's up, guys? It's Matt with Squared Circle Classics. How's it going? Matt, welcome back to the show. We're doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing lovely, fellas. Just uh, Hey, Matt. What's going on, buddy? I'm... Hey, Tommy. How you doing, man? Yeah, no, I uh, Good, man. was uh, catching Raw. I thought I'd give it a shot tonight to see if uh, if Heyman put his stamp on anything. And so far, uh, it's quite interesting. I don't know if you guys caught it, but the first uh, 15 minutes or so has been pretty cool. You know, I didn't see the – I know this is the 80s wrestling show. I didn't see the beginning, but I heard some good stuff about it. What what happened at the beginning of the show? Because I caught, I caught a little bit of the middle and a little bit of the end of the show tonight. What 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 was it yeah, in the beginning? So, that was yeah, so they, they started off with a false count anywhere match with um, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. And it got outside of the ring real quick. A lot of camera work, like old school ECW, and then they had like a big dramatic spot that pretty much stopped the show and brought out paramedics. And so they're doing a good job of like building up some drama, which has like really been lacking. But anyway, I need to get on it. I just uh, just got it on in the background. So Hulk, that's right, man. What's your take on Hulk Hogan? Did you grow up a Hulkamaniac? Yeah, I mean, that's what, what brought me into the business, man. Um, I, I'll actually never forget. It was like, uh, I think it was the third Saturday Night's main event um, with him and Andre, and they teamed against Bundy and Stud in Hershey, Pennsylvania, man. And um, that was the first time I ever saw WWF, and it just, like, hooked me in from that point on. And so, uh, yeah, man, huge Hulkamaniac. Probably my best uh, – the only time I ever met him, actually, was a couple years after that. Um in 87 after uh, WrestleMania three started out in Portland and uh, Billy Jack Haynes is from out here and uh, he was opening up his own gym and he had Hulk come out for the grand opening, which was pretty sweet. So <clears throat> it was actually in my, my hometown, a suburb in a suburb of Portland. And uh, so, yeah, Hogan was there in this gym and, and like, you know, we were all lined up for probably like three or four hours ahead of time out in the parking lot. And I went with a couple of my buddies. I think we were like maybe 10 at the time. And, um yeah man it was amazing like when you're like a huge fan of his and you you know you're just a kid and you see him up close like that you're like what so uh i remember the only thing i said to him i said to him when i walked up to him i'm like because uh, the crowd was getting like real restless and crazy outside you know and as a kid you're like that can kind of get a little bit intense right and um and so i remember like making some comment to him like oh man you should see it it's a battle royal out there man everyone's going crazy <laughs> but uh yeah, man, he was totally cool and, uh, like, got uh, picks and uh, autographs with him and Billy Jacks. Pretty sweet. Nice. Hey, man, I, I want to I ask something real quick. Um, you know, I, I've never, believe it or not, I've never met Hulk Hogan. Uh, all the shows I've ran throughout the years and being around the business uh, for so long, I, I never had the opportunity to meet Hogan. Um, what was it like for you being a 10-year-old kid? Now, when I was 10 years old, man, let me tell you something. If I would have met Hulk Hogan at 10 years old, how old are you, uh, by the way? Uh, 42. Okay, you're the same age as me. So Yeah, so I was, if, 10, I was 10 when it happened. Mm-hmm. This was like dude, September dude, I'm thinking, I'm, Listen to this, man. I'm thinking about, I'm 10 years old, mm-hmm. and I met Hulk Hogan, bro. I mean, that's that's something you just don't forget. Uh, like I said no. at the top of the show, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're listening or not, man. Like, that, that – 
song still gives me goosebumps and you're jamming to it. And like that, that song will always like give me goosebumps, man. Like I can't, I can't imagine meeting him as a 10 year old kid. Like what was going through your head? Like waiting online, inching closer and closer to meet the biggest, one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, it, so much of it was just, um, you know, you're a kid, you're kind of impatient too. But what was cool was, is they had it set up where, um, <clears throat> cause it was, it was a gym and kind of like a, um, an office park setting. So it wasn't like, you know, like a big kind of like gold's gym or something like that. It was, it was like a, a moderate size, like local gym. It was just like this one location. I don't, he wasn't planning on franchising it. It was just this one location he opened up. And so the way it was built, like if you can imagine like kind of like a business park, I guess, from the eighties, you know, it, it pretty much had windows all around. So like part of them to be able to market, right. Was that, you know, you could have lights on when it was darker out there and you could see all the equipment and people working out, you'd know that it's a gym. So what was cool is that you had all equipment in there, but you could see where they were set up. Right. So like, as you're kind of like going through and snaking through the line, you're just getting better and better glimpses of being able to see them at the table, posing for pictures, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's crazy. And you know, like when you're, when you're a kid and, and at that time, I mean, how like physically huge, I mean, that was like his peak, um, you know, in terms of how huge he was and, uh, you know, obviously Billy Jack Haynes too is just like ripped out of his gourd. So, like you get up to those dudes and you're like, wow, you know, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, man, you, he was totally I know cool you're only, and, I, I know you're only ten, but do you have any recollection or remember like how many people showed up for that? Oh man, it had to be well over a thousand. Yeah. I bet. I yeah, and I and I want to say he was there for a good chunk of time too. I mean, I think he was there for, I mean, because it was a, a a grand opening, so they had other activities that were going to be going on, you know, like in the parking lot and whatever. Um, but um, but yeah, it was it was cool. It wasn't like he was just there for like an hour or something like that, and and you know, it was all free too, so which was badass. Um, yeah, you know, I, awful, you know, I think when when Billy Jack had first got into uh, WWF, um, you know, shortly before WrestleMania three, um, I think Hogan, Hogan took him kind of under his wing a little bit because I think there was the thought that when Billy Jack came in, in, um, in the early 87, that they were going to, they were just, you know, he had, he'd done, you know, he had his reputation out here in Portland and down in Florida and he had the physique that obviously was like an all time great physique. So I think in their minds, they kind of looked at him as he could be like the number two baby face. Right. So um, when they brought him in, I know Hulk kind of like took him under his wing and they did like some promos together. They did. Um, I, there was actually a, a WWF promotion um, in the magazines where, like, you could win a lunch with uh, Hulk and win a lunch with Billy Jack. Dude, and, I just saw, I just so saw they were that the other day. They were trying to do some stuff. Yeah, so they're trying to do some stuff with those guys. And I think, you know, Hulk uh, said in the past that, like, yeah, you know, he kind of, like, was trying to, like, bring him along a little bit because in Vince's mind, he's like, hey, get this guy right, and he could be, you know – what eventually probably end up being like ultimate warrior, right? Like that number two face. And, you know, then obviously he kind of flamed out after that. But anyway, long story short is um, it was right at that time. Right. So we're talking September of 87. So that's when him and Hulk were, they were, they were doing some stuff together and which was cool that he came out to help him out for the opening of that gym. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, stand, stand the line real quick. I, I, real quick, I just want to say, Jed, after that, I want to ask you about if you ever had an opportunity to meet Hogan. Uh, I just want to say real quickly while we're on the topic of Billy Jack Haynes, uh, when I was a young kid, they used to, especially in New Jersey, man, they would have WWF shows all the time um, in the smaller uh, buildings, too. So there was a, a college that was about 15 minutes from my house. And WWF would go there a few times a year and do shows in their gymnasium. And I remember one time they were they were considered either you know probably the B or C show then. Um, mm-hmm. And the main event I'll never forget was Billy Jack Hayes against Hercules in a chain match. Now I was a young kid. Now I was probably uh, same thing. Man, around like ten years old or so. And these guys beat the crap each other and they were bleeding profusely. And this was the first time I think I was at a live event where you saw blood and I never forget that match. Uh, it was the main event. It was Billy Jack and Hercules in a chain match. I'm I'm surprised that Billy Jack didn't go a little bit higher on the card. Uh, Jay, what, what do you, what do you think about Billy Jack? And also, did you ever have an opportunity to meet Hogan? Well, I, I never had an opportunity to meet Hulk Hogan. I'm not one. I'm not a guy that likes, uh, that gets starstruck that is looking to meet all these famous people. But Hulk Hogan is one guy that I definitely, definitely want to meet. And uh, the last couple of summers, uh, my family and I have vacationed in Clearwater Beach, Florida, where Hulk Hogan resides. And so I'm not ashamed to admit that the first thing I did when I got there was I looked up his home address on Google and we took a little drive. Okay. Uh, And so I had uh, his address in Google Maps and I was headed to his place. And as we were getting closer, I had my, you know, my phone up and I'm looking at the blue dot trying to figure out which house is going to be his. Uh, and my wife says, well, how about the house that has Hulk Hogan coming out of it? And so I look up, and there he was. He was coming out of his house, walking down his front steps, climbed into his car, and drove away. And so I never met him, but, man, I got a glimpse of him. Uh, and I may or may not have whipped a Yui and tried to follow him. Nice, so that's nice. A, that's as close as hey. I've gotten to meeting the man. Nice. Hey, I want to get both of you guys take on this before I let you go, buddy. Um, one match that I think would have been a great, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, that, that's another thing with, with early WrestleMania is, you know, you can go down the line. Like I couldn't tell you like WrestleMania 25 to 35, I couldn't tell you like the main events without, you know, once you say them, I would probably remember them, but in like the early days where you can just rattle off the main events off the top of your head. So like WrestleMania one was Hogan and, and, uh, and Mr. T against Piper and Orndorff. Then two was against Bundy. Three was against Andre. Four was against, you know, Andre again in the, in the, uh, the title tournament. Five was against Savage. Six was against Warrior. Seven was against Slaughter and so on and so forth. Um, what I think would have made a great WrestleMania main event, not from a, a, a wrestling standpoint or work rate standpoint, but, just from a, an angle standpoint, and it had some hype behind it. I think Hulk Hogan versus Zeus would have been a great WrestleMania match. With with the, I mean, I remember being so scared of him as a kid. What's your two take? Uh, to both you guys take on that? You think that would have been a good WrestleMania match? I mean, not as far as work rate, but having it as a spectacle on the grandest stage. I I I'm wondering if that wasn't the original that they had and then once they got Zeus in the ring they decided it wasn't the best route I agree I mean was it? Zeus was it, was, it, was it the original plan I think they wanted a one-on-one match Hogan versus Zeus and I think they ended up making a tag team because they needed Randy Savage to kind of carry the weight of what Zeus lacked 
once he's in the ring. Matt, you're an intelligent wrestling fan. Why don't you fill in on what your two cents are? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why was all a lot of it had to do with timing because so you were you had the Mega Powers explosion and that led to WrestleMania five in eighty nine. So during that time, you know, or while while Hogan well Savage was champ through eighty eight, um, they were shooting No Holds Barred. It didn't get released until June second um, of eighty nine. So the thing with the thing about it is you'd already had yeah. WrestleMania like two months prior. Yeah. And and the build for the movie was only probably coming out like around like memorial like well in May probably, so that's why they brought him out and they you know they went right into that program with him for SummerSlam when um they did the when it was uh, Macho Man and well, I guess he was Macho King already at that point a few months later and then uh, and then was it Brutus they did the 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 tag match at SummerSlam '89 and then they came back again with the same thing in the cage match the no holds barred Christmas that they did later that year. But I think the thing yes. is, is like that I think he was such a he just couldn't wrestle at all. Like you go back and look at the film, like he really couldn't do anything. And so, um, you know, I think Hogan probably did everything in his power to carry Warrior for as long as he did. Um in fact I think it's pretty well documented. Like in the WrestleMania six match, you know, Warrior came down and was pretty blown up a couple minutes in because he was so fired up from the entrance and Hulk had to like really guide and direct that match and you know they for two guys that really weren't known for being really great wrestlers especially warrior you know it was still memorable still entertaining and you know um i don't think i think zeus was or lister you know he was probably so inexperienced that uh i don't know man it could have been tough for them to to book uh you know and i i'm kind of maybe surprised they didn't figure out a way to do like a main event, like not Saturday night's main event, but like when they did the main event, um, it was like a Friday or something. I think when Hogan dropped the belt to Andre, you know, to set up the whole WrestleMania four attorney, that wasn't a Saturday night's main event. It was just called the main event. And I'm thinking like that could have been an yeah. opportunity if they wanted to have like, Hey, bring no holds barred to life. Let's have a real one-on-one match. It could have been like a Friday night main event spectacle kind of deal. But yeah, I think SummerSlam was probably where they were like, that's where we're going to get our, our, uh, our money out of it. Yeah, I think, like you said, also, it was probably a timing issue. If the movie was released in, in March, maybe they could have done something at WrestleMania. But what, what for both of you guys, because I want to stay on this topic real quick, what is the one WrestleMania match? And we're thinking early Hulk Hogan WWF, so say WrestleMania 1 through 10. What is the one missed opportunity WWF had for a Hulk Hogan WrestleMania match? I'll go first. Uh, I think it might be you guys might have the same answer as I do, but I just find it mind-boggling that it didn't happen. It was supposed to happen. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. What a usually <laughs> waste opportunity. Uh, that match not happening. And he came over where it could have been, I believe it was, Matt, you, you, you're the wrestling story, it seems like. But I think he came over at a time where it was maybe three or four months prior to WrestleMania, and they could have built it up. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I think that's the, the biggest match that I would have liked to have seen Hogan have at that time is a match of Flair at WrestleMania. Matt, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, okay. Um, I agree. I, I definitely think that's the, that was a missed opportunity. And, um, you know, they, they did set it up. Uh, it was initially going to be that, I think, um, as right after Royal Rumble. Um they had the whole press conference. He was going to get it, right? It was Hogan, Savage, 
uh, and Sid Justice were like the the three can or the three contenders that they were gonna do. And Jack Tenney came out and you know picked Hogan, and then that's where Sid got mad and made his heel turn like shortly thereafter that. Um, and then they 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 pivoted from Hogan and Flair, you know, then the Savage Flair. I think because they were, you know, and I, I've listened to um, Pritchard's deal on on talking about this, and he didn't really seem to give like a, a complete straight answer as to why they went away from it. But I think it boiled down to the fact that Sid was a monster. Hogan's got a great. Uh, history and draws tons of money going against the monster. Let's go that direction. Instead, turning into a great heel and Hulk's ultimate baby face. So we got a big draw there. And we know Savage and Flared from a strict wrestling perspective can put on a better wrestling match than Hogan Flair. And that let's let's go there. So you got you know essentially with Hogan Savage Flair, the three biggest stars in the company at that time. Um, and I think, you know, it's like, let's, let's do, and they hadn't had a double main event to that point. So it's like, that was their, that was a way to kind of like manage that. But I, I'm with you, man. Like that, that, that could have been it if it could have been booked a little bit better. And I think the other thing too, is they worked a house show um, to test it out. And I guess their like chemistry and shit was like, really was not great. And they're like, Oh, maybe we're not ready. Maybe trying to rush a WrestleMania match. We're not quite there yet. So yeah. Well, I would say I agree with you, gentlemen, that a Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania main event, if done properly, would have been a huge draw. I will tell you another opponent that I loved watching Hulk Hogan go up against that I think could have been a more prominent match than what it ended up being is I used to love watching Hulk Hogan battle it out with Mr. Perfect. I loved the way that Perfect sold for Hulk oh, yeah. Hogan. And so if they could have built that yeah. up to be a bigger main event, I would have loved to see those two go at it on the main stage. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who could forget it? Yeah, and Bossman. Oh, Bossman in the cage, man. I yeah. could forget that. There's a slew okay. of opponents that were people that we're not even thinking of on the top of our heads, like Hogan and Kamala, Hogan and One Man Gang, Hogan and Killer Khan. I mean, Hogan and Orndorff. Hogan and, to me, that Hogan Orndorff is his most underrated feud, and maybe overall oh, his best I, feud. That thing went for like six months, and that cage match yeah, on Saturday Night's Main Event that. to me is still like my oh, yeah. favorite. My that's like my my iconic moment of Saturday Night's Main Event is well, that cage match with Orndorff. Matt, at the beginning of the show, uh, you heard at the beginning of the show. That's I said that that's my all-time favorite angle of Hulk Hogan was him and him and Orndorff. It's my all-time yeah. favorite angle. Yeah. I'll I'll never forget. I mean, that was another one of those things too. When when Orndorff turned on him on uh, wrestling superstars, um, yeah, man. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, which is really weird. Just like one of those uh, moments because it was so iconic. And then yeah, that feud was great. And and Orndorff is like a great great heel. They were. Oh yeah. Okay, hey, man. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, man. We appreciate talking with you. And, and, yeah, man. Uh, we. we we like your opinion. Hey, real quick, why don't you just throw a plug out for your uh, Instagram page so anyone out there listening can follow you guys. Oh, um, okay, thanks. Yeah, on Instagram, it's at uh, squared, uh, circle classics, squared underscore, circle underscore classics. I'm um, going to have a little pull-up tomorrow about uh, what uh, what is uh, your favorite USA gimmick. 
um, over the years, different wrestlers and USA gimmicks. So I'm going to throw that up in the morning so people can go in there and weigh on that. Nice. I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be uh, giving my uh, take on it. Cool, man. All right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Matt. Take care, Matt. Yep. Yep. All right, Tommy. I just got to point something out real quick. A common thread that seems to be coming up in a couple of our shows is the art of the turn when friends become foes. Man, we talked about it with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. We talked about it with Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. And now we're talking about it with Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. I think that's an aspect that the modern wrestling lacks is that art of the turn. What do you think? I think after this episode, we're going to do the Tommy and Jay turn. Ooh. I'm going to fire you and have, listen, I'm going to fire you and have Matt from Squirt Circle Classics be my new co-host. Because I, I think talking to him, man. Listen, Matt is an intelligent fan, and the only way I'll allow that to happen is if you throw me through a window at a barber shop somewhere. Let me tell you something, guys, uh, for everyone listening, is if I couldn't do that because um, – Jay's the technical guy of the of us two. He's the one that runs the radio show and takes the calls and edits everything. I I, I just talk, so I, I have the easy part. I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't know the first thing how to do this radio show if it wasn't for Jay. So Jay, you ain't going anywhere, buddy. I was only kidding. I appreciate that, brother. Because I do have your mic mute button right here, and my mouse is hovering over it. But I'll let it stay live for just a moment. Tommy, we're gonna go back to the to the phone calls here. We're gonna pick up. Line number two, we have a caller who's been waiting. Caller, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air talking about Hulk Hogan. Caller, who is this? Hello, you're live on the air. What's your name? Hello? Hello, sir. How are you doing? Okay. How are you guys doing? We are doing fantastic. We're live on the air talking about Hulk Hogan. We'd love to know your name and your thoughts on Hulkamania. Oh, um, well, my my name is uh, Jacob, and I'm from Brooklyn. And my my first year watching Hulk Hogan was 1983, when when it was his last year in the AWA, when um he was he was doing the Bockwinkle angle, and of course they didn't want to give him the belt, and he had the he had the fight with Vern over the Japan money. And um, I always thought Vern brought 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 Hulkamania out to, but he he took it from like if you had a scale of one to ten, he he brought it from a one to four or five, but Vince brought it from five to ten. Jacob, I agree. With you, man. I'm from Minnesota, so I'm a big AWA fan, and I remember Hogan in the AWA very well, and that is where Hulkamania technically got its birth, but it was Vince McMahon who put it to the main stage and bringing it to New York. Jacob, I'd love to get your take. What was it about Hulk Hogan that made him such a huge, huge megastar early 80s? I mean, it was his personality and charisma that brought it out because at that time I mean you guys were talking about who would take his spot the only two guys that were there what they were talking about was like you guys said was Snooker and then which I don't think with the with the whole other stuff that happened it wouldn't have happened and uh this remember you got to remember the Sergeant Slaughter face turn 
when he started taking on the Iron Sheik, those were the only two guys at that time that that really had that crowd motivated. But I don't think those two guys at the time would have brought it the way Hulk Hogan brought it. He was just a different person at that time for WWF. I think you're absolutely right, absolutely. Jacob. Let me, let me ask you this, Jacob. In your opinion, who was Hulk Hogan's greatest opponent? What was the feud that put him on the map for you in his early days with the WWF? If I had to say, I would. I agree with you guys again, uh, Paul Orndorff, because, I mean, at, at, that, at, at that time in 82, 83, 84, I was a... At, I was a big Don Morocco fan, but mm. I think his, uh, I mean, I would have loved to see them have a good feud, but that, I think his window at that time when he was Intercontinental Champion and then he lost to Tito, I don't know, something just happened to where, I don't whether it was storylines, he just didn't get that. I mean, he would always take on Hulk Hogan here and there, but it was never Chica, a storyline where they would, yeah, yeah. Jacob, I was asking you real quick. Let's see how good your memory is. When Hulk Hogan wrestled Don Morocco, uh, tell me what happened at the end of that match. You remember? You talking about the cage match? No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. It might have been on Saturday Night's main event. Uh, maybe oh, I'm mistaken. Oh, you talking about? Okay, you talking about in Phoenix, Arizona, when um, Bundy, Bundy, Bundy splashed, Bundy oh, splashed yeah. Hogan. Yeah, I, yes, I remember sir. that because I, I was a big Don fan too, man. Because yeah, I'm, you know, Don Morocco was a man. Like I said, after after Pedro and Tito, it just like he kind of, you know, what I'm saying they went to more gimmicky, more goofy Don Morocco, and I'll they didn't build no storyline for him. I remember mm-hmm. as a kid, Jacob WrestleMania four, um, the title tournament. I, I, and Jay, this you get a kick out of this too. I think I kind of remember, as a kid, I think I was uh, rooting for or thinking that Don Morocco was going to win that title tournament. I don't know why. And this just came to my head right now. I remember <laughs> as a kid, either rooting for or thinking that he was going to win that title tournament. Yeah, because I, I think he went, he went past the second round or third round, past the second round, right? I don't remember. Jay, who did he wrestle for the first round? Was it, was it Butch Reed? I, if was that's it, the case, I know Butch Reed. Yeah, it was, it was Butch Reed or Dino. Yeah, well, and then he Butch took Reed on wrestled Savage, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. So, I I, I forget. My, my mind is... Hey, Jacob, you said you're from New York, right? Yes. Well, now's a good time to plug this, Jay and and and, and Jacob. We're going to be doing '80s Wrestling Con two in uh, Freehold, New Jersey, on Saturday, October the twenty sixth. Tickets are actually going to go on sale this Wednesday at I Play America. You can go to their website, iplayamerica.com, this Wednesday, and uh, we're going to have uh, another action-packed lineup down there. Uh, we're still confirming the complete lineup. We have 14 guys as of right now, Jay. And uh-huh. the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase with Virgil, Sergeant Slaughter, Bob Backlund, Mr. Wonderful Paul Arnold, who we talked about a lot on tonight's episode, Demolition, Action Smash, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, B. Brian Blair, and Jumping Jim Runzel, The Killer Bees, The Mouth mm-hmm. of the South, Jimmy Hart, Tugboat, Marty Janetti, 
and the Brooklyn Brawler have all been confirmed to be there. And uh, we're going to have uh, a few more names announced in the upcoming weeks. And uh, also the different activities we're going to be doing will be announced in the upcoming weeks as well. One of the uh, big things we're going to be doing is a 80s wrestling Halloween costume contest. Since it's on the 26th yeah. and it's only a few days before Halloween. So, uh, Jacob, I know you live in New York, so definitely check that out, 80swrestlingcon.com. It will be updated in the next couple of days. And uh, my main man, Jay, here is actually going to be the host of 80s Wrestling Con. So, uh, hopefully, we see everyone out there on uh, Saturday, October 26th. Jacob, thank you so much for calling, man. All right, thank you. Uh, can I make one more point? Absolutely. Right quick. Yeah, well, uh, I remember you guys were saying, like, the saddest moment. I mean, through the Hulk Hogan run. You guys said the saddest moment was when he lost to the Warrior. I think that saddest moment was when he took when he lost that belt to the Macho Man. I mean, not I'm sorry, not the Macho Man, but the Million Dollar Man during that first '84 to '88 stretch. What, what do you guys you're think? Ta- you're talking about when they had the the twin referees and the turn and 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 the Million yeah. Dollar Man. Yeah, listen, that was one of the greatest angles of all time. And as a kid, I was shocked, and I was probably oh, yeah. in tears at that time, too, because I had no idea what was going on. Um, but, man, what a great angle uh, that was looking back. And I agree, because up to that point, Hulk Hogan was untouchable. No one was removing that strap from around his waist. And to see him without the belt to a young child, yeah. that was indeed shocking, Jacob. You are right. And then you also got to give Bobby Heenan credit because he always brought the monsters to come up with the face Hulk Hogan, even though he never he never really got the belt. But Jacob, he brought great the point. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't bring this up earlier. Bobby the Brain Heenan was a huge part in the success of Hulkamania in the '80s. A huge, huge, huge part. Bobby Heenan was the greatest of all time as far as mantras goes, and Bobby Heenan did an unbelievable job in helping elevate the popularity and career of Hulk Hogan. Right, Jay? Listen, Jacob's right. Like, the whole Heenan family, when they were chasing Hogan and chasing the title, even though they never really got it, they brought such monster heels that you always thought, maybe this is the guy that's going to beat Hulk Hogan. Maybe this is the one that has his number. Jacob, that's an excellent point, man. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, guys, and have a good night. Call back next week, man. We enjoy talking with you every Monday Night Live after Monday Night Raw run. Listen, man, I hope we see Jacob at 80s Wrestling Con 2 strutting in with a tie-dye shirt dressed up as Don Morocco at the Halloween party. Speaking, of, speaking of strutting, uh, one guy I, I believe I didn't mention, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, WWE Hall of Famer 2019, to be strutting and cutting his way into 80s Wrestling Con 2 on Saturday, October 26th. I'll tell you what, man, I'm getting excited. We're uh, two days away from tickets going on sale at iPlayAmerica, 10 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. The general admission tickets go on sale. We're still confirming um, a a couple more guests on our end, but we're going to throw up on the website for the time being uh, photo ops and... uh, photo ops and autograph ops of the guests that we do have just so you can get an early jump start on, on grabbing those tickets and getting them out of the way. Uh, the super tickets, uh, not super tickets, I'm sorry, the uh, VIP 
80s Fan Dream Experience Package will be available as well on the website on Wednesday. Um, that will not change in price, Jay. That's the cool thing. Um, the price will be on there. I believe it's going to be 349 which will give you access to an autograph and a photo of every guest. The cool thing is anyone else that's at it, the price ain't going to go up. So you can get your Ooh. tickets. If we add two or three, three more people, the price ain't going to go up. So uh, that's the great thing about that. I mean, this is a stacked lineup, man. This is a, a lot uh, more stacked than the first one. And, and, and I was a big fan of the first one. Uh, but this one is just really, really stacked uh, from top to bottom. Really, 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 and I'm sure you're right too, Jay. I'm really looking forward to the 80s wrestling Halloween costume contest. And I know that uh, you're my witness, man. There was a few people dressed up at, at the last one. Uh, there, I saw a couple Pipers. I saw a Macho Man. So uh, now that's going to be a contest, I'm, I am can't wait to see uh, all the gimmicks we're going to see uh, October 26th at uh, 80s Wrestling Con too. Man, it's going to be a day to remember, that's for sure. Listen, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, at the first 80s Wrestling Con, you had the Greg the Hammer Valentine Figure 4 contest, which was unbelievable. As you mentioned the name Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a thought crossed my mind. Now, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the Beefcake has let his barber license expire, but there's something you hey, can do there, it. my man. Hey, the phone lines are lighting up, Tommy. Uh, I'm going to take one more call yeah, here. Okay. We got a little bit of real time. Quick, we're, we're, we're working yeah. on it. We're working on it. We're All working right, on what you just said. Uh, trust me. You didn't hear it here yet. You didn't hear it here yet, but you might hear it here soon. We're going to take the next caller. Caller, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air with Tommy and Jay. Caller, what is your name? Oh, my name is Francis, man. What's up, guys? Francis, Francis welcome to the on, show, man, my man. From? Oh, man, it's great to hear you guys. You guys are the best, man. I just called in, oh, and uh, I was late to hearing it, but I wanted to talk about the Hulkster, man. That's awesome. why we're here, Francis. Francis. Where are you calling from? Yeah, Francis, right. where are you calling right. from? I'm calling from Chicago, man. Nice. What is your, what's your favorite Hulk Hogan memory uh, as his Hulkamania run in the 80s in the WWF? <laughs> Uh, man, what I always enjoyed was, uh, you know, R.I.P. is uh, him. Uh, I really loved how Piper got him started, man. He really gave. He was a great. Uh, he was a great heel, a great foil to uh, Hogan. I really think that uh, Piper did uh, a lot of the work on that one to uh, raise that guy up, and uh, it was great to see Hogan take that mantle and run with it. Oh, yeah. Francis, I couldn't agree more. You said you just tuned in, so uh, I'm sure you didn't hear it. But earlier in the show, I yeah. was saying um, about how much credit Piper deserves for helping elevate the popularity and the career of Hulk Hogan because, you know, you're only as good as the person you dance with, the person you work yeah. with. And the people loved Hulk Hogan so much because they hated Piper so much. And Piper was such a huge factor, not only the popularity of Hulk Hogan, but the popularity in wrestling. Because if that first WrestleMania one uh, wasn't as successful as it was, there would have been maybe no WWF today. Uh, sorry, WWE today. But uh, Piper yeah. deserves so much credit for the popularity of Hogan and wrestling, in my opinion. 
<laughs> exactly, man. Great minds think alike. I appreciate the show as always. And always, culture is such a yo-yo. <laughs> Don't be such a yo-yo. You got to move like at the sheep. <laughs> Baby, clap your yeah. hand. You got me singing a song, Francis. What are you doing here, man? <laughs> hey, brother. Thanks nice for calling guys. in, man. Hey, we're, li- we're live every Monday night after all, man. Call in next week. As always, man. Take care. I love you guys. All right. Thank you, Francis. What a great caller. They're giving mad props to Rob Piper. And like you both said, how about, he definitely how about me deserves it. Thousand dancers? Listen, how man, I had my microphone. No. I had my microphone on mute, and it's a good thing I did because I busted out laughing, man. And so I'm glad <laughs> that didn't go out <laughs> on the air. Well, I tell you what, Tommy, we had another caller on hold, but after you started singing, they hung up. So. Uh, I'm not saying those two things are related. I'm just saying it happened. Uh, I'm sorry. Call back. I'm tired of waiting. Listen, we got about eight minutes left. And so if you are trying to get on the line, now is the time. It is 323-927-2953. What's that, Tommy? I don't mind going a couple minutes over tonight. It's Hulk Hogan, man. Well, we're going to end up going a couple over because we have yet to talk about Hogan versus Warrior, because you and I are on opposite sides of that one, my friend, and I'd love to get your take on what was running through a young Tommy's mind when Hogan was matched up against the Intercontinental Champion in the Ultimate Challenge. They're really the first time that we saw two baby faces go head-to-head in a WrestleMania main event. Tommy, I know as a young man you were cheering for the Ultimate Warrior. I'm not going to hold that against you because he was a draw himself. But let's break that match down for a minute, Tommy. When you first saw the inklings of those two going at it, I mean, they dropped a few hints along the way. There was a big Royal Rumble moment. Walk me through what you were thinking when you saw that angle come into play. Shocked. That's 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 the best word to describe it, the shock. I couldn't believe uh, that my two favorite wrestlers were going to collide one-on-one at WrestleMania, and I'm sure that you were thinking the same thing. I'm sure that everyone listening out there was thinking the same thing. At that time, back in 19, uh, it was 1990, uh, that was unheard of, where the, the, the top two good guys in the company were going to go one-on-one for the title, man, and just... It just didn't happen back then, especially not in WWF. So, I mean, it was such an unbelievable dream match. And you know what, man? I, and we, we talked about this. We've talked about this in the past in the show where uh, we were on opposite sides. You were Hogan. I was a warrior. I don't know why I was a warrior. I was, I mean, God, it was 1990, so it was 29 years ago. So I don't, I don't know my, I don't remember my, my frame of mind back then or what I was thinking. Maybe it was, just, you know, it was something different. Um, I don't know, man. I was such a big Hulk Hogan fan, but I was also a Warrior fan. So, And I remember I told you when uh, Warrior won the title, I actually ran up and down my street celebrating like my family just won the lottery <laughs> for like $20 million. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what it was about him. I don't remember. Uh, like I said, it was 29 years ago, and I'm 42, so I was just a young child. I was what uh, thirteen or fourteen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I was so excited that Hogan won that uh, Warrior won that match. Um, 
don't know. I don't know what it well, was. Let's be honest, Tommy. At that time, know. at that time, Hogan had been running on top for so long, and the Ultimate Warrior was new. He was fresh. He was hip. He was cool. I don't blame you for going with the pop and sizzle that was the Ultimate Warrior because Hogan had ran so long, so hard for so long that it almost it was time to have a changing of the guards to have somebody else take that top spot. There really was no heel at the time that would be a a viable opponent to to uncrown Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior's popularity was soaring. And so it made business sense to match those two up. And like you said, for most of us wrestling fans, Hogan and Warrior were our number one and number two guys, especially if you were a diehard WWF guy. And so when they started dropping hints that those two might be going head to head as a Hulkamaniac for the first time, I would think for the first time that I was a little bit scared, a little bit nervous that this could be the guy that yeah. end Hogan's reign because all the yes. parts were there. I the same. With, yeah, exactly. When they, when they dropped those hints at that Royal Rumble where Hogan and Warrior were the only two and they turned and looked at each other and the roof blew off that place, man, I mean, you could tell right there that that matchup was money. Let me tell you something, Jay. I, I love, first off, I'm not saying this because you're my friend. I'm not saying this because you're my co-host. I love listening to you talk about 80s wrestling. I, I really do. And I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your butt. I really, really enjoy listening to you talk 80s wrestling because you keep saying hint, hint. And it's, it, you're so right. The hints that they drop, like that's what's so different with wrestling back in the 80s compared to now is the little subtle hints they would drop. And they would drop those hints for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks. And they would build it up and up and up to the point where you're going to explode, man. Uh, you're so right. Yep. Yes, you got it, man. You got it. Uh, you know, and real quickly, I would say I, I, I kind of feel dirty that I was uh, cheering for the Warrior because I was, I was such a Hulkamaniac. I mean, now as an adult, uh, I, I kind of felt dirty that I, I turned my back on the Hulkster and went with the Warrior on that one. But, I mean, I mean that's – what uh, Matt said earlier, you know, it wasn't the greatest. Uh, they weren't the two greatest wrestlers in the world going at it. But, man, that match is – I can almost remember every spot of that match. Uh, that match was know, good. Years later. That match was a good, good match. And like you said, the match itself holds up. It's just that, yeah, maybe their whole work doesn't hold up as much. And if the Warrior would have went on to have a 10-year run, then you wouldn't have felt dirty. You know, you didn't know that the Warrior was going <laughs> to drop the ball like he did. Tommy, I tell you what, we got a caller waiting on hold. Let's take that and get somebody else's take on Hulkamania running wild in the 80s. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. It's 80s Wrestling Radio. Who is this? Well, we spoke earlier on on social media, and you know that if you're going to do a Hulk Hogan-themed 80s wrestling radio, then the indefinable Sterling Golden needs to make his presence known. So what is good, you guys? What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, I'm good, you know? I mean, I saw earlier on today on social media that you were doing a theme on Hulk Hogan, and I had to make sure that I made the time to be heard this evening and share some memories of my own about the GOAT, about the paragon of Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan. 
Yeah, man. What 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 is your favorite Hulk Hogan moment from the eighties? Was it Hogan Andre, Hogan Savage, Hogan Orndorff? What what was it for you? Oh wow. I mean, I can go on so many of these, but I can tell you that the first time I ever saw uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, on television, you know, it was the beginning of 1984. And I knew of him vaguely because, you know, my dad was a big wrestling fan, you know, as my whole family was. And uh, Hulk Hogan had just appeared in Rocky three a couple of years earlier and had just left Minnesota, returned to New York. And one of the first TV matches that he had was him and Bob Backlund tag teaming against Tiger Chung Lee and Mr. Fuji. And, it was such an early part of the run that he didn't have, you know, entrance music for the match. It was a tag match. Uh, you know, Bob Backlund was kind of treated as the guy on the way out. Hulk Hogan was clearly the guy they were, you know, putting on top of this thing. He, you know, he beat Chung Lee with the big leg drop and it was clear that something was coming. And then just weeks later, I remember watching on WOR TV, we get the New York state channels here in Boston. We got those channels back then in our cable package. And they were showing highlights, not even highlights. They showed the, show the entire match, actually, on All-Star Wrestling of him defeating the Iron Sheik five days earlier for the world title. And you saw that whole thing just take off, and the entire promotion was evolving before your eyes, and you knew that uh, they had their guy, you know. So, And then a few years later, actually right after he defeated – Andre the Giant finally defeated Andre the Giant after years of not being able to beat him in Shea Stadium and things like that. Uh, I met him as a 10-year-old at the World Gym, which is no longer there, in Somerville, Massachusetts in 1987. My dad and I have stood in that line for hours. Uh, Hulk got out of this crazy long stretch vehicle. It was not even a limousine. I don't even know what the heck it was, but it was a long stretch of vehicle. Comes out, plays his insane he goes on a bullhorn, and he's like, I hope to meet all you guys today, brother, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, he comes out, and he has the, gold, the World Gym outfit on on the podium. I come up with my 8x10. Hogan, of course, you know, is like a, a skyscraper next to this 10-year-old kid, looks down at me and goes, hey, I like your shirt, brother. And it's with a Hulk-sized shirt on. I froze. Couldn't speak. Couldn't say a word. Uh, but he looked down at me and gave me this white handshake and I walked away with a thumbs up and I was so nervous walking away. My legs were like rubber having just met Hulk Hogan, you know, <laughs> and uh, seriously, awesome. like I could barely walk and uh, God, I mean, I mean, look at this. I mean, this is eighties wrestling radio, but when you look at the history of the industry, professional wrestling. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a full disclosure here. I have not followed professional wrestling in many years okay and when it comes to up to the minute wrestling i'm not your guy but when it comes to anything from those days up until about the mid 2000s i i will check in on what hogan's doing like i knew he was in another promotion in uh, florida for a while a few years ago he came back up to new york for a while as an ambassador things like that but i do know that when you look at all these big names you've seen you know I don't think you'll ever see a name in wrestling as synonymous with wrestling as Hulk Hogan. You know, I mean, I know that there are certain podcasters out there who 
Uh, I believe it's Steve Austin. I know there are certain people out there who will who just bristle at the thought of having to give him credit for anything for their own reasons. But let's be honest here. You know, I mean, you ask a person on the street over the age of 25 to name a professional wrestler, they're always going to say Hulk Hogan. You know, that's just the, the facts. You know, it's like, You're right. Because people on the street who don't follow, even today, people who don't follow wrestling, you know, it's like to those people, you know, you see wrestling and they'll say, oh, what's Hulk Hogan doing? You know, yeah, that's what they identify. He's a celebrity, like, man. The Rock, he's a celebrity. The Rock's become a big, what's that? I'm sorry? I was saying he's a, he's a celebrity. I mean, anyone in the world knows Hulk Hogan is, you know? Oh, my God. I mean, it's like you can make an argument for The Rock, too, but I think on a different type of celebrity, he became more of an actor than a wrestler. And I think kids today, we're living in a generation now where if you – there are kids who may actually look at The Rock and go, that guy was a wrestler? You know, like how in my generation, Ronald Reagan was – he was the actor once? Oh, my God, the president was an actor? That's The Rock today. Hogan will always be known as a wrestler. Let's be honest here. I mean, he'll never be known for his acting skills on the big screen. He'll be known as a wrestler through and through, okay? And that, to me, makes him, you know, a world apart from people like The Rock and things like that. He'll always be known for wrestling. And, you know, just looking at everyone he's faced, who he's worked with, you benefited from working with Hulk Hogan. People will, you know, the smarter, quote-unquote, smart fans will go on and on about how, you know, oh, well, he didn't put my favorite guy over, so he sucks, you know, things like that. No. Okay? That guy will also tell you he made the biggest payday of his life working with Hogan. They'll say, yeah, I didn't win, but you know something? I won at the bank. (laughs) You know? I mean, that's what they'll tell you. And, um, you know, a final parting note before I get off of here is that – I was telling these folks on 80s Wrestling Radio earlier on in DMs that uh, before I was in the music and nightlife business in Boston, in my 10th year this week, I ran a website called HoganResults.com under my birth name. And it was one of the first examples of documenting every Hulk Hogan match result from 1977 to, at that time, 2005. And... You know, for like a good two-year run, we became kind of a reference guide for fans who wanted to know what Hogan's record was, if, you, if people cared enough to know. And in page 84 of Hogan's second book, My Life Outside the Ring, he doesn't name it directly, but he says that if you look around the Internet, there are websites out there of my matches and results and who I beat and where it was. That was my site. And... uh you know, I mean, the fact that we had that for a couple of years and we had that tool out there, and those results still float around today, and some of them have been revised even greater by people that keep the tabs on these things, I'm glad to know that I made some sort of contribution online at the time I did to give that reference to Hogan's career because, by and large, end of the day, there will never be a name more synonymous with the wrestling industry than the name of Hulk Hogan, whether he's Terry the Hulk Boulder or Hollywood Hogan or the Hulk machine or, okay, Sterling Golden too. We'll throw that in there. But, (laughs) you know, I mean, let's be honest here. Okay. There's a reason why in Japan they called him Ichiban. Okay. Because 
You know, has anybody named that match with him and Inoki tonight? No, I don't think anyone's referenced it yet. Well, I just did. So there you go. He knocked out Antonio Inoki in in Sumo Hall. And so if if nobody has, I just did. So there you go. You did. Hey, man, thank you so much. Listen, I got to ask. Because uh, he said he ran that website for a while. Mr. Golden, if you had to guess how many matches in professional wrestling Hulk Hogan has had, do you have a ballpark number for us? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm trying to remember because I haven't really looked at that reference in years. I know it's on Wayback Machine if you want to dig for it. It's there. But um, at the time, it had to be – had to be in the in the low thousands. Had to be. I can look back on that now, and if you look through, like, say, it, it's fascinating because you look at 77 and 78, he had way more matches than you would think. He fought Andre the Giant as far back as 78. Sure. You know? yep. And he fought guys like Ox Baker and the great Mephisto and uh, people like that. You know, he was wrestling. I mean, the match he had with Yokozuna – in 1993, in, in Dayton, Ohio, where he lost the title, that finish we saw with the camera exploding in his face, that mm-hmm. was first done in 1979 when Terry the Hulk Boulder was challenging Harley Race for the NWA world title. Austin Idol went on the apron and exploded a camera in Terry Boulder's face, and Harley Race hit the diving headbutt off the top rope and got the pin. So when Hogan had his last pay-per-view match for Vince McMahon, he recycled that finish. He booked more finishes for himself than people know. Like when um, him and Nick Bockwinkle had their schmaz in Super Sunday in 83, that happened because, you know, Vern Gagne got so frustrated with Hogan. He goes, you know what? Screw it. You write the finish. I don't care. And that's why you got the finish you got where Stanley Blackburn took the belt away and handed it back to Nick Bockwinkle. Hogan scripted that finish. You know, he did that more times than people think. And, you know, people real people have to realize, too, that uh, in all those matches, and I'm assuming it's the low thousands, yeah, in many occasions he came out on top. But you know something people forget? In those matches, he would give his opponent almost the whole match. You know, he would sell like anybody, nobody's business for his opponent until it was time for the comeback which is what people paid their money to see. They wanted to see him do his shtick. And all those guys that all these smart fans cried about for not winning and not getting a a fictitious victory, you know, for why they are so upset about that, I'll never know. But, you know, they can take solace in knowing that those favorites of theirs went to the pay window with the biggest check they could have. When he fought Shawn Michaels, people cried for years over that match. Oh, my God, he should have lost, you know. No. The way it was booked, there was no other way to end the match other than Hogan winning because they just booked it into a corner. And when he did do it, they had this spectacular, you know, type of, like, over-the-top match. And I guarantee you, even though those Shawn Michaels fans were upset, I guarantee you he was not upset with his payday. You know, nope. I mean, you're absolutely so, right. Yeah. Well, listen, it's you know, been a so pleasure people, listening yeah. to you share your thoughts on Hokomania. You, you are a true Hokomaniac historian, brother. And so we appreciate you calling in. Um, our, we, we ran out of time, but we got one more caller you want to get to. So I want to thank you for calling. Uh, please keep listening and call in again. You are a man with a plethora of knowledge. So thank you for sharing with us tonight. 
It was my pleasure, brother. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. That was quite the impersonation. All right, Tommy, I got to wake you up. I know it's late over there in New Jersey, but we got one more caller. And when it's about Hulk Hogan. I'm awake, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, you got no I'm ready to go to all night, it. dude. So here we go. We're going to jump on the line. Night. This guy's been waiting for a little over seven minutes. So, caller, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air with Tommy and Jay, and we are discussing Hulk Hogan. Caller, what is your name and where are you from? My name is Pastor Don Jr., CEO. I'm from uh, Las Vegas, man, and I, I've been watching wrestling all my life, man. I remember injuring myself back in the days, like like uh, having the, the, the ladder, the table ladders and chairs match. But uh, when I seen the topic about Hulk Hogan, there's nothing there in my heart because there's so many times that – it's hard to bring back the nostalgias of the eighties when we had to be at home at seven o'clock. So when they when they came over with the Monday Nitro and they had the whole NWO movement and they had like the clash of the Titans and the champions and the late nights, I mean that that was the thing, you know, that's when the TVs went off at every bit of about three o'clock in the morning. At three o'clock in the morning the TV was off. So you you will see like color bars. And, and that was like the whole situation. Uh, it, it, it's just nostalgia, man. Just to hear how uh, hey, the, the gentleman. I'm sorry. Did you, did you did you say pastor? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've been pastoring for over 12 years for a very long time. Wow. That that's this is a very interesting call, Jay, because this is the the first pastor that we ever had call into 80s Wrestling Radio. Uh, uh, Pastor, growing up, was Hulk Hogan your favorite? Tell me about um, your your uh, your memories of '80s wrestling, especially with Hulk Hogan. Was that's the topic tonight? Was he was he one of your favorites in the '80s? Oh, absolutely. I actually stayed on the East Coast. My father, uh, when I was three months, I was carried into a radio station on 41 now, and my father was a major radio personality. He programmed in the top uh, top 10 markets for all my life. So in the time when wrestling was real big, I stayed in Charlotte, North Carolina. I met the Boogie Woogie Man. I met Ric Flair and a whole bunch of others. So it was a different feeling about wrestling. So we're growing up. Uh, you know, I, I was a big Hulkamaniac, you know, eat your, your vegetables. And when he did that match with the Ultimate Warrior, it was just like super, super. Like, that was like a major thing for everybody, and everybody was paying their face. So I say those things to say um, it was different before they had before they had transitioned. And if you look at the way wrestling, real art actually set the tone for life. And what I mean by that is, okay, when wrestling started getting a little crazy and getting raunchy, that's when television started getting more raunchy. And that's when they was letting more stuff go. The LCC wasn't at the level where they was to crack down and say the things that they would say. So um, I definitely really appreciate the whole um, makeup of this radio show because at the end of the day, the 80s was a real pivotal time. Right around that time, oh, Prince yeah. wrote a song called 1999, and I heard it today on the radio driving. I was like, wow, here it is 21 years later, and a lot of the lyrics that he said, he kind of uh, preluded. If you think about wrestling, the best wrestlers always sold the best whoop tickets and backed it up. Those were the, the rocks, the... Um, the, Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler of all time. I mean, I love Hulk Hogan, and I hate they never put together a proper Ric Flair Hulk Hogan match because Hulk Hogan was the brand for the WWF, and Ric Flair was the brand for the NWA. 
So when you had the four sure. horsemen on one side, and then you had to eat your vitamins, do your stuff. And if you remember, all the WWF wrestlers were really bigger than the NWA wrestlers. So they they was more swole, and they was more about the vitamins. Let, let's all be happy. Let's do it as a team. Because at the end of the day, everybody, everybody had something different to bring to the table. Every wrestler didn't look like each other, and it wasn't so much the gimmicks. It was actually you had to wrestle. Now a lot of the uh, matches they have are more over the top, and it's a lot more wolf tickets sold, but it's not between the wrestlers. It's the uh, the commercials and the media. But it's back in the day, you didn't have as many props. You had to have a niche and be different. And the one thing about Hulk Hogan that made him stand out the most was he was everywhere but nowhere at the same time. He moved with the times. So when the world started getting colder, he started getting more grimy, and then he became the alter ego of Hollywood Hogan. Excellent, excellent views. Pastor, uh, let me ask you real quick. Uh, how did you find out about the radio show? Well, we have 12 interns, and we've been on over 4,500 radio stations. Uh, we have We have a mission to change the world, and a lot of times we can't find out how people's world are until we go there and be a fly on the wall. Think about it like this. When the wrestlers are in the middle of the ring and they're in that square circle, it's two of them, but it's millions and millions of people in the, around the world watching them from their remote location at home. But then there's at least twenty or 30,000 fans right there, not to mention their family members, their loved ones, and then their compadres and their associates. So a lot of times the wrestlers don't get to really find out what the people really think until uh, – crazy situations where uh, somebody gets murdered or, or a real mitigating situation happened. Now the focal point on wrestling is there and it's not in a good light because it has helped a lot of people out of poverty and, and it's helped a lot of people became become mega stars in the entertainment industry. But my biggest situation is I, I would say on the overall spectrum, um, you're doing something that's positive, and when you put positive energy out in the universe, even though we've been on 4,500 different radio networks, it wasn't nothing but destiny to happen. A lot of these wrestlers, what makes their story so believable and make wrestling one of the most impactful sports, even though some people say it's real, some people say it's fake, it's the comeback stories, the ones who couldn't get it. It was told no 500 times, but they kept working at the Brock Lesnar's, the Goldberg, where they have these amazing runs, and they and they revitalize the whole sport. And it is a sport. You have to train physically, and not only do you have to train physically, you have to be mental. So a lot of these guys that come, uh, the the uh, the honky tonk mans, and, and and the people that come back out of retirement to have these monumental matches, but when you really look at them and play back the tape, they gave it they all. So it's a mental thing at the same time. It's a physical thing at the same time. It's a spiritual thing. I don't care what nobody say. When you meet somebody like Ray Mysterio in the bathroom at the biggest impact convention of your life, and you also that same night introduce Smokey Robinson to your father, forever in your life, wrestling's going to be in your heart. I don't care how many sermons I preach. It's a different situation. You feel me? Pastor yeah, absolutely. P- Pastor Ashley, how did you find out about our radio our radio show? I have 12 interns. They We have over 4,500 radio networks in our database, but we're constantly oh, meeting okay. new people. They send me their information, and then we send it out. We put oh, it out okay. on Twitter, SMS, text messaging. The whole idea is um, 
when I grew up in radio, it was strictly analog and there were gatekeepers. Now anybody can start their own podcast and network. We want to make sure that not only does the right information get out there, people like yourself, you're bringing back value without not beating somebody. It's kind of one thing to say, hey, I want you to believe in God. It's another thing to walk by my example, and then we can talk about sure. it. You get what I'm saying? If you lead by example. Sure. Pastor, go ahead. Uh, are you, do you follow us on Instagram? Uh, no, I don't. I'm a little new to Instagram. Instagram is a new to All right. Follow, send me a message. Send us a message on Instagram. It's it's very easy to remember. It's at eighties wrestling. So eight zero s wrestling. Send us a uh, send us a, a a direct message tonight. We want to talk to you. So it's at eighties wrestling. It's very easy to remember at uh, Instagram. Yeah. Okay. You, you have a very interesting story, man. I would have told you off the air. And uh, we're running okay. out of time, man, so we have to run. Okay, uh, I'm going to hang out. So I mean, I'm going to hang out to the end. Please don't hang up on me, but I'm going to mute. I'll be right here. <laughs> oh, no, no, we, we're, we're, we're cutting off. We're, we're on the actual uh, the, the station itself. It's going to cut off. But, uh, Pastor, real quickly, I want to say to you, um, my father-in-law is actually a deacon, so I, I, I find it interesting that you called in. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, and definitely send us a message on Instagram. I'd like to talk to you. All right, Pastor. Have a great night. Thank you, sir. Man, that is fantastic, Tommy. That is fantastic. You never know who's going to call in, man. You never know who's going to call in. And I'll tell you what, we went big time over uh, over tonight, our our, uh, longest episode yet. But, I mean, God, is it really that long, talking about Hulk Hogan? We could probably talk about Hulk Hogan for five, six hours. Listen, if there wasn't time limits on the amount of airtime we get to broadcast here, we could go all night long and just go into work early tomorrow morning. Listen, Tommy, what a great night talking about the man who, for a lot of us, uh, got us into pro wrestling. It was Hulk Hogan, seeing that larger-than-life figure on that screen that drew a lot of us to the sport and made us fall in love with it. And so anytime we can get together with 80s wrestling fans and talk about Hulk Hogan is a good time in my book. Oh, yeah, and, and and by the way, a shout-out to the Hawkster. He follows us on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, it's at 80s underscore, and uh, the Hawkster follows us on Twitter, Jay. How cool is that? That's probably the coolest thing that I've heard today, my man, that the Hawkster himself is following you on social media. I don't know. The only thing that would have been better than that is if he would have called in himself, uh, but we probably wouldn't have believed it was him. I think I think that a pastor calling in and talking he's wrestling with it was pretty cool. To be honest with you, I, I actually got a uh, I got a kick out of that. There's somebody right there who is training, eating his vitamins, and definitely saying his prayers. Uh, no, listen, I have a lot of respect for the work that pastors do, and I think it's very cool that he's uh, in touch with pro wrestling and that he was listening tonight and he thought enough of the show to give us a call and talk to us live. So, yes, that was a fantastic call to end the show with. Absolutely. And we're going to end it real quickly uh, with with two plugs. First, mine. Uh, again, 80s Wrestling Con 2 takes place Saturday, October 26th in Freehold, New Jersey. I Play America. Tickets go on sale this Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. IPlayAmerica.com. Uh, we're going to post the link for general admission tickets on our website, and we'll – 
some way, somehow, get our, our, our website updated on Wednesday. It might not be the whole thing because we're still working on stuff, but what we can get up to, we will. And, uh, Jay, I want you to plug your new uh, adventure and endeavor also to uh, end the show tonight. Oh, that's very kind of you, Tommy. As Tommy mentioned uh, last week on the show, my wife and I just opened a brand-new family entertainment center in my hometown of St. Cloud, Minnesota. We had our opening weekend this past weekend, and it was a fantastic time. The last couple of days have been a blur. A lot of people have come through the door, so that's been a tremendous blessing. And so if you live in the St. Cloud area or the surrounding areas in Minnesota, come on down and check us out. It's called Black Light Adventures. It's a new indoor family entertainment center, uh, and it's been a dream of my wife and I to open it, and so we're so happy that we finally got to do it. Tommy, I have one other announcement before we get off the air, and that is the topic of next week's show. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, man. I, dude, I wish I could do a drum roll, but, I mean, it's almost 1230 in the morning in New Jersey, so I'll, I'll leave a it to drum, you. A drum roll would be uh, fitting, but a big pipe solo would fit even better because we're talking about the man whose name has been dropped more than once on tonight's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, next week on 80s Wrestling Radio, we will be talking about the Hot Rod, Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Oh, I'm excited about that, that, man. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Uh, Piper Piper is one of my favorites of all time. I have a feeling that I'm going to take a nap next Monday afternoon because I got a feeling for two weeks in a row. We're going to probably go over next week. There's a good chance that you'll be saying hello to Tuesday morning live on the air here. <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, man, always so great talking to you, Jay, Aiden's Wrestling. Uh, I love talking to you about Aiden's Wrestling, and I love listening to all the intelligent caller, uh, callers. We had several of them tonight. And uh, thank you again. And, again, we're live every Monday night, live 11 p.m. Eastern time, right after Monday Night Raw. And uh, we'll catch you next week here on 80s Wrestling Radio with the Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper.